Welcome to 67, a podcast from Edelman about ideas and communication. Why 67? Because that's the year we opened our doors in London five decades ago. I'm Shauna McCarthy, and on today's episode, we're exploring the concept of leadership. It's the theme of our first issue of 67, the magazine, published this week. One contribution, written by the former head of MI6, Sir John Sauls, examines how Brexit and the election of President Trump will impact Britain's position in the world as a global leader. And I'm joined now by Will Walden, Edelman's Head of Public Affairs and former advisor to Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson, and Lucy Thomas, an Associate Director Edelman and former Deputy Director of Britain Stronger in Europe. Hello, both of you. Hi. Hello. Now, Lucy, first of all then, what did you make of Sir John Saul's conclusion to his piece? Well, I agreed with him that Brexit will be a challenge for the British government, um, which will unfortunately set back our standing in the world over the next five years. Um, but I also agreed with him that actually the British people won't suddenly become ostriches and bury their heads in the sand. This is about making sure that Britain is sitting around the table when big, important decisions are made, but finding creative ways to do that and finding ways to still cooperate with our partners in Europe. Do you agree? Um, I agree with John that Brexit poses significant challenges for the British government, um, but it also poses questions for EU member states. I don't necessarily believe that John's conclusions and Lucy's view that it will set us back globally are correct. I think we are and remain one of the world's biggest economies. We're a leading security contributor through NATO to peace on the continent. We're a permanent member of the UN Security Council and the G7, and we have unrivaled soft power. I certainly don't believe the British people are and will remain outward looking. I think what people mistake in the Brexit vote is a sense that um, by nature, we are anti-European. I think we're pro-European, if largely Eurosceptic. So I think the fact that um, the EU hasn't embraced reform and we are leaving an ever closer political union has opportunity for British business rather than necessarily negative connotations. I think John is right in the sense that there could be a short-term complexity to this, and there undoubtedly will be, but I think that longer term, this is a great opportunity. Now, well, you talk there about this opportunity for British businesses. How do you think they can be reassured by the behaviour of central government so far? Um, I think they can because the Prime Minister has provided certainty. It was interesting that post her long-awaited Brexit speech, the response in Europe was what one that wasn't actually negative. It was much more around the clarity and certainty. And I think government understands the need for business certainty. I think Europe does. And I think, to an extent, business can be pleased that there is an acceptance both here and on the continent now that the decision has been made, we're not going back on it, and we have to get the best possible deal for the UK and for Europe. I think the biggest single danger to that deal is political tone, because ultimately a lot of this will be decided by politics. And it's the idea that on one hand the EU somehow deserves to implode, that its destruction is somehow validated by voting out. And on the other hand, rhetoric which says the UK doesn't deserve a decent deal because it had the audacity to leave. And I think that what we need to do is effectively moderate that tone by understanding why people voted the way they did and moving forward knowing that this is not about leaving the 
European continent. It's about leaving the EU. And there are opportunities within that for both sides. Do you think that we have the right leadership in central government to actually get our heads out of the sand and, and lead us forward? I think whichever government took over, whichever prime minister and key ministers there were, this is the biggest, most complex negotiation a government has ever faced. So anybody taking on that challenge is going to have a tough time ahead. I think from a business perspective and those of us looking to get the best possible deal that does as little damage as possible to our economy and make sure Britain has the, the best fighting chance in the future... You want someone who's going to listen to the evidence, listen to a pragmatic, rational case, and listen to workable solutions for what that deal might look like. And particularly given there was an absence of a plan, the previous government didn't have a whole list of ways that the, the negotiations would be conducted. So there is basically a vacuum to be filled. And talking about that vacuum, what can business leaders do to potentially fill it to their advantage? I think they have to make a really rational, pragmatic case. They have to look at the ways in which their business could be affected by a whole range of policy options. And already we've heard from the government that we'll be leaving the single market. There will be a new version of a customs union agreement. And so they have to look at what would their ideal outcome be and then what is the practical way that they would advise the government to proceed and so it's up to businesses to say in a practical way, this is what we need from these negotiations. And if we don't get it, this is how our businesses will be adversely affected. Now, Will, Sir John Saul says in his piece that he's optimistic that British thinking and our behaviour in the, in the world will continue to play an influential role. Just to finish off then, should we be optimistic? Should businesses be optimistic? Absolutely. There is a, um, a case uh, post-Brexit outside of the EU for... Uh, enormous opportunity and optimism on the part of business. In terms of getting the best out of the Brexit deal, what business needs to do is probably go against the grain and work together as part of its trade bodies and, and representative bodies um, to work on the offering that, that they want from government. But I also think it's about business listening. It's about listening to their employees, uh, you know, improving local uh, employee engagement going forward. Because ultimately, if you bring your employees with you, you're bringing the people that vote, the people that will, will decide on whether this deal is a good thing or not with you as well. And I think probably business needs to listen a little more carefully to its employees as well as its bottom line. Now, from the global to the personal. Peter Tufano, in his role as Dean of Oxford Said Business School, prepares next generation leaders for the world. Writing in 67, he suggests that the concept of decency in leadership sounds old-fashioned, but that it's actually particularly relevant to today's world of brashness and social media indulgence. Well, we started off by asking him what he means by decency in leadership. As a dean of a business school, most of what we teach is about leadership, whether it's for young people or for uh, mid-career people or senior executives. So we're in the business of leadership, helping to train and shape leaders. I suppose the question you always have to ask is, what kind of leaders are you training? And there are many definitions of leadership, authentic leadership, servant leadership, and others. Um, as I was reflecting on leadership personally, uh, I kept coming back to this old-fashioned concept of decent leadership, which has a dual meaning of both adequate and also purposeful. 
So what's the impact then of not having decent leadership? Well, certainly we don't use the term decent or decency nearly as much as we used to. As I point out in my piece, uh, if you look at Google Ngram Viewer, you'll find that the word decent or decency is used about one-sixth now proportional to how it had been used a century ago. So we don't talk about decency quite as much. And over the years, the concept of decency has been captured by various political groups and to mean conservatism and some other things. But I think if we strip it back, decency is what David Brooks would call one of the eulogy virtues. And I think it's incredibly important and timeless and perhaps needs a little bit of a, uh, a refresh. And what would you say are the consequences of abandoning decent leadership? I think there are many pitfalls if we abandon the concept of decent leadership. The most obvious one is if we start with the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, then our ability to, to navigate simple conflict goes down. Our ability to compromise, our ability to see one another's point of view, our ability to come to agreement. Um, and I think we are seeing some of this deadlock uh, in the political system. And it's sad, but uh, finding common ground is incredibly important in politics. And when we lose the sense of decency, and I don't mean to say that people are immoral, but uh, then it, it just becomes harder. And so what I worry about is that as our language becomes coarser, as our conflicts become more heated, as we find less and less common ground, as bullying becomes more common than compromise, that we're going to send a signal to young people that, that we may not know exactly what happens for another 20 or 30 years, but that can be tremendously dangerous. Uh, we want young people to have hope. We want them to have optimism. We want them to have some sense of modesty and humility as well. And therefore, you know, some of these elements of decency, and, and I don't claim to know what they all are, having a robust discussion about what constitutes decency and then trying to see if we can get closer to that ideal strikes me as being not only good for our day-to-day, -day, but also for future generations. Peter Tofano there, the Dean of Oxford Side Business School, speaking about the importance of decent leadership for 67 magazine. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the 67 podcast. Thanks also go to everyone who contributed to the magazine. If you would like a copy or more information, you can visit edelman.co.uk. The 67 podcast will be back in two weeks' time when we'll be speaking to a number of young people who will vote for the first time in 2020. We'll be asking them, what do they make of the world? Join me then to find out. Mm -hmm.